Hey y'all, I'm Sammy, your host of the You Were Made For More podcast. John 10.10 is a promise that Jesus came down to earth so that we would have life and have it abundantly. My prayer is that this podcast and all of the content that we put out would remind every student that they were made for more, simply because of who they were created to be. My own walk with the Lord and my relationships with the teenagers that I disciple have shown me that once we understand whose we are, the game changes. Or in other words, transformation happens. Our identity changes everything. We recognize that it takes investment and partnership between the church and parents to raise teens who know and believe who they are in Jesus. And we're here to help. So buckle up as we take this journey and take a look at what God has to say about friendships, relationships, sexuality, dating, and all the things in between. Hey everyone, welcome to the You Were Made For More podcast. This is Sammy, your host, and today I am really excited to introduce you to my friend, Lex. Lex is a wife, a mom, and she has a background as a mental health counselor. Um, And I asked her to join us for this conversation about marriage and trauma and creating a healthy marriage in the midst of our own personal trauma because I know her personally, obviously, and I also know her professionally. And I've seen her live out these values in her personal life. And then also I've seen her promote these values with her friends, her coworkers, and her clients. And I think she does a really great job of just laying out the framework of why this is important for us. So this episode is going to focus on how to be proactive about creating a healthy marriage and what it looks like to heal and confront our own trauma to make our relationships better. We know that God created marriage and that it is good. But there's so much brokenness surrounding the idea of being with another broken person forever. But through hard work, humility, and honesty, marriage can be one of the most life-giving gifts that we're given on this side of heaven. And I want to highlight that with Lex a little bit. Um, Because I think sometimes marriage gets a bad rap. And if you're in marriage, maybe you're in a season that is really difficult and trying and you need a reminder of what marriage can be if you dig your heels in and work a little bit. And we're also going to talk about maybe there's a marriage that can't be healed and that and that you know, you need to set boundaries in that and and what God says about all of that. Um, So I'm excited for you to meet Lex. I encourage you to turn up your volume, get your notepad and pen out and jot down some of the wisdom that she's going to share with us today. Um, Here we go. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. My name is Alexa Bailey. Most people call me Lex or Lexi, though. Um, Cute little nickname I have. (laughs) 
but I am thrilled to be here and chatting with you guys and with Sammy, who is a great friend of mine. Um, so a little bit about me is I am married to Tim Bailey, <laughs> of course, and we just welcomed our beautiful daughter, Gianna, who's about seven months old. Um, we've been married for almost three years and it's been a roller coaster ride for sure. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Um, I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. I graduated from Ohio State and then went on to get a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling from Waynesburg University, where I served as a mental health counselor until our daughter was born. Um, and Sammy asked where you can find me on a daily basis. Well, recently um, at home <laughs> with our daughter, but I'm also somewhat of a social butterfly. So if you live in Waynesburg, you can probably find me at a coffee shop or just walking around town with Gianna in her stroller. Um, I love to run errands and I also really love to exercise um, and just be with people. I think God has called me to um, invest in the lives of others and really I am a people person, um, which is probably why I became a counselor. Um, <laughs> but yes, I just, I love God's people so much. Lex definitely is a social butterfly and she is a great mama um, to Gianna. He was the cutest little thing. Um, so yeah, her life is very busy right now. Um, so I'm so thankful, Lex, that you took the time out to join us today and have this conversation. Um, and I want kind of our listeners to get to know you a little bit. So if you're willing, I would love for you to share a little bit about your marriage story and how you met your husband, Tim. As I mentioned, uh, Tim and I have been married for almost three years, and we have kind of a funny little start to our relationship. Um, we actually met in the basement of First Presbyterian Church in Waynesburg on a random Wednesday evening for church dinner. I had actually moved to Pennsylvania from Columbus just about three months prior, and at the time I was living closer to Pittsburgh in the Cannonsburg area but I was visiting Waynesburg because I was the area director for Young Life in Greene County. And I was actually meeting with Tim's dad for the first time. And if anyone knows um, Tim's dad, Chuck, you will understand he is, he is someone that everyone in Waynesburg knows. And so um, I was meeting with him to chat about ministry in Greene County. And um, he invited me to stay for dinner and meet more individuals in the community. And Tim walked in, and I remember being struck by his good looks. <laughs> um, and then we sat down and started talking about the Enneagram, um, which any Enneagram fans out there, you may understand. And he got my number because he sent me an Enneagram meme. Oh, I'm sorry, meme is what I meant to say. And we have spoken every day since that day. Um, we were friends for about five months. And then we decided to start dating after we realized we aligned on a lot of um, various important areas to us. And we dated for about a year and then we got married. We had a really short engagement of two months. Um, I think we were both just ready to be married and didn't want to deal with the hassle of a stressful wedding. Um, and as I mentioned, we have welcomed our beautiful daughter, Gianna. She's almost seven months old. 
which is crazy to think about, um, but she is just one of the best things to ever happen to us. And my favorite things about Tim are his sense of humor, his loyalty and faithfulness, his steadiness, his willingness to desire to be accountable to those in his life and in our life, and ultimately his love for and commitment to God. He is just incredibly faithful. Yes, I love your guys' story. I actually met Lex, like, before her and Tim were officially dating. That was, like, when I had first met my husband, Juan, and, um, yeah, so it's just been fun to, like, get to see the progression of your relationship and now see how God's faithfulness has been met in that as you guys have Gianna and how you parent her together it's just been awesome um and I also you know I want to go off of this conversation about what your life is like now because I know we've had a lot of conversations you know when we were dating are now husbands and um even like since we've been married of how we have conversations with other women or men that are dating or engaged um and not yet married um about how to prepare intentionally for a healthy marriage when you're in that dating and engagement phase um in that stage of your relationship where like you're not married you know you want to have a healthy marriage and you, and you want to start building that foundation um whether you're single or you're dating someone else can you share with us a little bit of wisdom maybe on things that you did that you intended or that you wish you would have done about things that, things that have helped you create that foundation. Creating a foundation for your marriage while you are dating and engaged is such an important and tricky question because you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, um, but you also want to be prepared. So I, I really think it's a fine line and it's kind of tricky and difficult also because the Bible never really talks about dating. So we don't really have clear-cut framework for it, um, but we do have the Holy Spirit and we do have plenty of other guidelines God has given us out of love. So um, I definitely wrestled with this as a young girl in college and also during my years of singleness. Looking back, I would tell my younger self that a man is never going to complete me and God satisfies all of my longings and desires. I knew this at a head level, but I think at a heart level, I was hoping someone would come along and heal my insecurities and make me feel completely loved, which is not a man's role. Um, yes, obviously a husband should lead me and, and direct me towards the love of God and model it, but truly only God can love wholly and perfectly. So I think just knowing that for myself um, in my heart would have been extremely helpful. I also think it's good to discuss what your goals are for each stage what are they for dating, engagement, and eventually marriage? You may never be entirely aligned with another person, but knowing what you truly desire is helpful. And also what God desires for you. <laughs> I'm a city girl living in rural southwestern Pennsylvania, so sometimes where God leads is not where you'd take yourself, um, but there are always treasures to be found. 
And as I said, um, you might not be entirely aligned with another person, but it's in, it's important to know that you're in, aligned on the important things. So for example, for me, I knew I needed to find someone who would love God more than he would ever love me. And that is what I found in Tim. And that was truly at the top of my list. Um, I never really had a physical list, which I also think could be dangerous to have one because God might not check all of those boxes for us and somebody else. Um, but having a couple, you know, very important, I will not date someone who doesn't meet these criteria might help. Um, and also similar to how I said, I needed someone who was going to love God more than he would ever love me. Tim and I discussed a lot of scripture when we were dating and highlighted the importance of alone time with God. And we actually did this better in dating than we have in marriage. But I hope I had a lot of hope going into marriage that I was marrying a man built on a strong foundation of God's word. And I was correct. I, I knew that was what I needed because, um, life isn't easy and, God is the only unchangeable being, so um, I wanted someone rooted in that steadiness and faithfulness. Yeah, I love how you talk about, like, highlighting the important things, like making sure that you are aligned on those big topics. Um while you are getting to know someone is really important because that's something you want to go into marriage with like with your eyes open to those things you don't want to be finding that out about someone when you're married to them you kind of want to hit on those topics while you're dating and engage so yes dating should be fun you should be having fun with that person but it also it also should be like intentional in the way that you're asking those questions, you're getting to know someone's values. That's what it means to date with intention. It's just asking hard questions, asking uncomfortable questions, getting to know someone on a deeper level than having fun with them, making sure that they are aligning with you in the way that they're also putting God first. So that is really helpful um, that you mentioned all of that. From a counseling perspective now, um, like we mentioned before, you are a counselor and you help couples walk through this. So how can unhealed trauma seep into your marriage or even your relationship um, and poison the unity that biblical marriages are called to? And also off of that, why is unity as a couple so important? Why is this idea of unity something that we need to have in our heads um, when we think about biblical marriage? Oh my, unhealed trauma. This is such a big question. Um, and I could probably take it a bunch of different ways, um, but we can just dive in here. I think many couples deal with this, this unhealed trauma. Um, so trauma is anything that our bodies and our emotional systems cannot handle in the moment. So it can be anything um, from severe exposure to abuse 
um, physical, emotional, sexual, or it can be I came home and my mom was cooking dinner and I wanted to give her a hug, but she was busy, so she pushed my hand away, and that can be stored in my body as rejection and trauma. So there is a wide range of of traumatic experiences and um, the way our bodies show these experiences is really how to identify trauma, um, which we will discuss here in a second. But it's it it's hard to recognize these because someone can be operating in this mode for a while and just think it's how they are or think it's the norm. So some symptoms of unresolved trauma include difficulty believing in yourself or standing up for yourself, constant need for validation from others or a feeling of emptiness without it, low sense of self-esteem, perfectionistic tendencies, fear of abandonment, and difficulty trusting others, which sometimes means assuming the worst about others and people-pleasing. And so Tim and I ran into a lot of these symptoms um, that I was exhibiting in our marriage and it played out mostly, um, well, most of those, but that I was assuming the worst about him a lot and not really even recognizing it. Um, and it led to a lot of conflict for us and also a lot of embarrassment and shame on my part. So our systems are, you know, as humans have responses to trauma, which are developed to protect us. Um, They are subconscious responses to perceived dangers, and you've probably heard like fight or flight, but they are called fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, or faint. Um, The fawn and the faint are a little bit new to the counseling world, but each of these responses fall into the window of tolerance. And so when we are outside of our window, um, our proverbial window, we are responding in a trauma state that has been subscribed subconsciously stored in our limbic system. Um, So when we are in fight or flight, we are above our window of tolerance or operating in hyper arousal. When we are operating in hyper arousal, this above the window zone, um, we are often fighting the other person or fleeing the situation And when we are below the window of tolerance, we are in um, freeze, fawn, or faint, which means we are paralyzed, um, sometimes literally passing out, looking kind of just dead into space is a symptom of hypoarousal, and fawn is somewhat new, but it's the people-pleasing piece. Um, And so when we are outside of our window, we are responding in a trauma state that has been subconsciously stored in our limbic system, which is um, hard to override. (laughs) And this is why war veterans struggle when hearing loud noises because their bodies remember these loud noises as gunshots. So even if their conscious mind knows they are no longer at war, they are feeling um, the bodily reaction of being at war. And at varying levels, this is what happens in a marriage when one spouse has a history of unhealed trauma. A word or action can trigger the subconscious state of the trauma-sensitive spouse and send him or her into one of these responses we just discussed. And then they are outside of their window of tolerance and out of the body equilibrium state. 
And when this happens, the trauma-sensitive spouse likely views the unknowing spouse as the enemy in some ways, because their subconscious mind is telling him or her and telling his or her bodily system that there is danger and that the threat is the unknowing spouse. This clearly obstructs unity because the husband and wife are no longer on the same team or on the same page, but the trauma-sensitive spouse is feeling the perceived need to become safe independent of his or her spouse, which is the threat of danger. This dynamic seeps into many marriages because sometimes the trauma isn't unearthed until marriage. Marriage provides an intimacy that is not achieved in other types of relationships. So similar to Proverbs saying that iron sharpens iron, the closeness of marriage provides a format for these unhealed wounds to surface. So this might look like a husband and a wife um, recently getting married and the wife has a history of domestic abuse. Um, maybe her her dad was abusive to her mom or maybe her dad was abusive to her. And, you know, all these years later, she's married and her husband, um, I don't know, reaches over to grab something from her and her body and like I said, in her limbic system, um, knows that this has happened to her before and sees it as a threat. And so she falls into one of those trauma responses. She might get irrationally angry. Um, she might leave the house. She might just freeze up completely. Um, and she's probably thinking, why am I behaving this way? This is not the norm. I know my husband wasn't meant to hurt me. Or maybe she doesn't know, um, but this this response is just an automatic response that has been lodged in her limbic system. And I also want to talk about attachment theory here briefly. Um, God is a triune relational God, and we are created in his image. So we are wired for connection. However, trauma can make this relational connection marred. As human beings, we create attachment with our primary caregivers that is played out in our later important relationships. So if we struggle to connect with a primary caregiver or were never validated or loved by a primary caregiver for whatever reason, we will replay this pattern in adulthood until healing occurs. Now, this is somewhat like drinking from a fire hose, so I'm sorry, because we could have multiple podcasts on attachment theory alone. Um, but it certainly plays a role in marriage and the health of marriage because we, as I said, play out these attachments throughout our lives. So, okay, back to the original question. Unity is so important in marriage for many reasons, but namely that God views the spouses as one now. Um, you know, the scripture says the two shall become one flesh. And it also says that we must be equally yoked. So can you imagine carrying a heavy load with someone and your partner is yanking in the opposite direction. You Yeah, and <clears throat> to our listeners, like, there were a lot of big terms in there, like, technical terms to counseling and psychology. But what I really want to hit on, whether you, like, understand, have heard those, heard those terms before, is that marriage is where we are meant to be one with our spouse. So what we need to recognize in dating and engagement and even in singleness is that the healing work that we do on our own as a single individual 
is going to benefit any relationship we are in, especially our future marriage, because we are then taking our healed selves into that relationship where we are called to be one with another person and not our broken selves. And yes, we're always broken, but the more work that I do on my trauma before I get married and I'm one with another person, the easier it's going to be in that pruning process of becoming one. So I I think I just want to hit on the fact that like the hard work that you do when you're younger and in singleness is never like forgotten by God. Like God honors that. He sees the hard work and the healing that you're doing and that is so important. Lex, I also want to ask you about humility because I think especially in the younger generations, humility is something that honestly often is lacking. Um, It's something that is not revered, but the Bible defines humility. It talks about humility and its importance in our relationship with God. So I want to ask you, why is humility important in our earthly relationships. I like Tim Keller's definition of humility in the freedom of self-forgetfulness, where he says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking, (laughs) there's Gianna talking in the background, Um, is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, which is exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He wasn't thinking of himself at all, but he was thinking of the Father and of you and me. Humility has been an extremely hard lesson I have been learning in marriage. I didn't know how prideful I am at all. Um, And I think humility is important in relationships because our spouse and others with whom we are in community will see things in us that we don't see in ourselves. And the only way to grow beyond those immaturities and roadblocks is by someone calling it out and by bringing it to the surface in love. And no one is going to do that if you're really prideful. (laughs) In fact, you will just begin to isolate yourself from others and likely your spouse too, because there's a risk they take when they approach you um, if you respond with pride. Humility creates an openness for others to share with you. (laughs) Gianna's agreeing over here. (laughs) Humility creates an openness for others to share with you and what they see in you and likely what they are struggling with themselves. A non-judgmental stance toward yourself can help with humility. Instead of judging yourself or whatever is brought to your attention, just become curious about it instead of allowing it to lead to shame or defensiveness, which are my two (laughs) go-tos. But ultimately, humility can come from a relationship with Jesus as his spirit grows you and you come to know more fully his humility um, and his love for you. Girl, preach. Um, I also think humility is like one of the hardest lessons I have learned in marriage and also in motherhood. Honestly, I think it's been like just a constant lesson of being reminded of how prideful and selfish I am and needing to rely on God to in his spirit to help me with humility in the moments that I need it. Um, 
what is one piece of marriage advice that you received from mentors before getting married that has rung true to you time and time again? And I ask this because like I genuinely as your friend want to know because I love learning um, from other people's marriages. I think it's so helpful. Um, but also for our listeners, because I think, yeah, just hearing from people that are in like, like you said, you've been married for almost three years, um, which is awesome. You're kind of like in that step ahead of someone who's maybe dating and engaged. And I think there's a lot to learn from people who are in like that single that that one season ahead of you, if that makes sense. I think the best piece of marriage advice I got was to be married to God first and foremost, and then to my spouse. It honestly sounded like some strange Christian vernacular to me when I was younger. Um, but as I've been married, I see it to be true. I need to answer to God first and then to Tim. And I need to be loved by God first and then by Tim. Tim is a sinful man, as we all are sinful, fallen people um, who are being perfected in God's likeness by his spirit. And yes, as I said earlier, Tim will model the love of God, but ultimately, God is my heart's deepest longing. Isaiah 54 says, For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like, it goes back to the commandment from God. Like, love the Lord your God first with your heart, mind, and soul. Like, that is the first commandment. So, if we're placing, like, that in a wrong order, if we're loving our husbands first and then God, we're never actually going to be able to love them in the way that is most life-giving because it's not through God first. Um, yeah, and the same is true, like, the reverse. Like, our husbands need to be following God first in order to love us and lead us. So that is really important. Um, I want to kind of wrap up this podcast with talking to People who may be listening that maybe they know that they need help, but they're hesitant to seek counseling. From a counselor's perspective, could you kind of talk to us a little bit about what the benefits of counseling are and why you think it's so important that people seek that out? Oh, I think this is a good question. I think this happens a lot in Christian circles where couples or individuals are afraid of seeking counseling. Um, There is shame for getting help or maybe even an over-spiritualization to mental health. I absolutely believe in the healing power of prayer and fasting and similar spiritual disciplines, but I also believe in counseling and mental health care. And I would say that there is no shame in getting help from a counselor. Tim and I have done it many times. God uses the body as his hands and feet and has gifted counselors to be agents of healing. So allow us to use our gifts as God's vessels and don't let pride get in the way. Actually, to talk about humility, I think it takes great humility to say, we need help. I think there are many benefits of counseling, but it often helps to have a third party in the room to see from the outside 
what may or may not be going on that contributes to the problem or the disconnect. Also, counselors are trained to have unconditional positive regard for our clients. We want to empower you to be the best version of your God-created selves in your marriage. So good. Thank you, like, so much for joining us. Um, I love hearing little Gianna's cues in the background. Um, but I kind of want to leave our listeners with some closing thoughts that Lex shared with me and encourage you to dig into this more and ask us any questions on social media that you may have um, about this topic of marriage and how to prepare when you're not in a marriage or how to seek healing in your marriage. We would love um, to be a conduit and help you with resources or pray for you. Um, You can find us on social media at at Abundant Life YM. And I hope these final words from Lex bless you guys today. Marriage is an incredible gift. Um, It's also incredibly hard and it's hard work at times, but it is worth it. Um, And it's worth it to live out your marriage in community and to get the help that you need if you need it, which honestly, I think most couples do at varying times in their relationship. Um, As I mentioned, we um, come into marriage sinful and we live in marriage sinful, but Ultimately, we have God's grace and we have his spirit. Um, and I do believe that he works out miracles. So I, I just implore you to um, confront your own trauma, which is incredibly hard to do. Um, but it will lead to, to healing and um, just pieces of heaven on this side of heaven.